On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. This is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. From the TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada, here's your host, Matt Robinson. Uh, nuts. I mean, um, ah, nuts. And Michaela Schreider. Woohoo! Beer, 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 bang, bang, bang! What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside episode 866 of the Tall Can Audio podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. My co-host, Michaela, is on Twitter and Instagram at Shrides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S, and her craft beer takes are at Crafted in the Capital. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Most of my craft beer takes are just, this beer was good, so that's what you can expect on Instagram. (laughs) Um, what do we think of the new intro? We good with things? We we happier with that? I know you didn't love the last one with uh, with Spez's kind of hockey guy talk. Or nice whatever. to be back in the barn, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yes, this was fantastic, and of course, that's the voice of Amy Burke. I assume that was Amy Burke bringing us. Well, that yeah. and uh, Carl Carlson and uh, Homer of course, Simpson. and Homer Simpson. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that that Homer Simpson was tied to my intro because I love Homer Simpson dearly. Um, beer, so beer, I, beer, I, bad, I bad, bad. It. Other things you love, right? So. <laughs> I have one of those horrible, cheesy, gimmicky bottle openers that when you open it, uh, it makes a sound of, of Homer saying, mmm, beer. <laughs> All right, I kind of like that. I'm that guy. Yeah. Um, no, that's good. Uh, how are things going? It's it's hot. It's August. The sports thing is kind of slowing down a little bit with uh, the Olympics in the rear view now. But the CFL is up and running. How how are things finding you this week, Shrides? I hate this weather so much. Yeah. Um, I I tweeted something along the lines of like I don't know how anybody thinks summer is the best season with days like this. No. Um, full disclosure, like I am a fan of winter. Fall is my favorite season, but I love winter. Okay. And I love when I tweet stuff like this because everyone gets oh, yeah. so butthurt People about it. have an it. opinion on that. A- and apparently, like, the audacity of me to imply that summer was not number one. Oh, my goodness. It was hilarious to see people coming back at me. But I'm sorry. How do you walk out of in this swamp air sauna that we have going on right now and and at, at six in the morning even i walked outside at six in the morning to let my dogs out today and it was already too hot to walk them Ugh. how do you think this is the best time of year this is disgusting <laughs> oh i hate it and i don't even work outside my poor husband works like in and out of stores and yep. has got to wear a mask all day so he's just Ugh. raging right now i sit in the comfort of my own home right or in my office that is air conditioned so i'm <laughs> I'm very privileged, but I still hate it. How are you doing? And I assume 
it's a lot better because you have that nice breeze coming off the lake. Speaking of privileged. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we posted on uh, on our Twitter and our Instagram at Tolkien. I'm not sure exactly how I think I get to blame you for bringing me in to do this when really we've been talking about how busy you've been, but uh, we had a little fun with that. So if you're not following along on Twitter at Tolkien Audio or same on Instagram, uh, yeah, I, I am at the lake, been here about a day now, and... Um, it's awesome. Like, what do you what do you want me to say? Right, like it's it's pretty good. Uh, you know, it it is stinking hot, but you just jump back in the lake and and you're over it, right? So that's kind of where things are at here. And yeah, it's what is it feels like thirty eight at this point when we came yes. in. So it was an okay time to come in and and sit at this tiny little desk I've got here tucked away in the back of the the cottage. But um, yeah, not too bad at all. I guess this. Man, I don't want to keep delaying the beer. Why don't we do that first before we get into anything else? What are you drinking today? I am going with, I'm not a yield faithful, but it, definitely a yield faithful brewery for me. I'm going with uh, Hazed and Confused by Muskoka Brewery. Okay. It's their hazy IPA. Yeah. Um, I've had it a number of times. It's super tasty and it's got kind of like, I, I associate it with a, a version of Mad Tom because it's got the Mad Tom character on it. But right. It's it's much much more of a hazier IPA. It's it's super refreshing, little heavier in in terms of alcohol content. But it's it's the perfect beer for this disgusting hot weather. <laughs> what are you drinking, Matt? Uh, I got uh, this is one I actually don't think I've tried before. It's out of Wellington Brewery down in Guelph, which I have tried their stuff a bunch of times before, but I don't think I've had this one. And this is their Hellas Lager. And uh, same kind of idea. This type of heat, this type of uh, weather that we're having, that's really what I was looking for. I, I know I rightfully and gleefully get cast as a stout and porter guy or whatever. On a day like this, I do understand the idea for just a cold, golden beer of some kind. And so, yeah, we're going to roll with the, uh, the Hellas Lager out of, uh, out, of the Guelph, or out of Wellington down in Guelph. Right on. How how are you feeling? Like I know you must be missing your. You talked about the fact that you were missing your stouts. I think last week. This is the farthest thing from stout weather that we are in yeah. currently right now. But are you like screw it? I'll drink my stouts when I damn well please. Yes, I am absolutely yeah, that guy. Every season is stout season. Uh, I'm not going to shy away from that. And I'm not like. I think part of it is I'm not like snobby about the fact that. You know, like Guinness is supposed to be served at room temperature or whatever. If I want a cold Guinness, I'll have a cold Guinness on a hot day. Like, I don't care, right? Like, um, so As that's, an adult, you don't yeah. have to do anything. All right. If I want cookies for dinner, that's what I'm having for exactly. dinner. Exactly. <laughs> With my stout. the best and worst parts about being an adult. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's sort of where I'm at with that. But um, I, I still been checking. There was a, a porter I had, um, and I shouldn't even have brought it up because now I can't remember the name of it, but... Uh, it was a Persian porter that I had uh, a week or so ago, and I, it's on my untapped. I will go back and, and circle back to it for people who are curious about such things. But, you know, I will still get into it at this type of weather. But, yeah, on a day like this, no, nah, just just hit me with a, you know, a lager or something like that. I'll be I'll be happy enough, right? So Something that you can make yourself feel like you're hydrating as well. Yeah, no, I, I want this to feel like this is good for me as I sit yeah. here and do this. Today. Exactly. So um, why don't I, I guess we should mention, because um, we've sort of hinted at it, I've sort of hinted at it a few times, that there was a break coming. And it's not going to be horrendously long, but, you know, as we do these, I can tell you I, I don't really understand how Shrides is, is still on her feet. 
Um, she's she's got her day job. She's got her part time or fill in or whatever you want to call it. I don't want to take away from it. She does her work with TSN twelve hundred as well. And on top of you know the fill in slots that she's been taking on throughout the summer, she's also got the regular gig at She's Got Game. Uh, every Friday night in Ottawa on TSN twelve hundred, and uh, I shouldn't have started down this road either because I don't know the other times. Hit us with the other times, though. Wh- where can people across Canada find She's Got Game? So it's eleven a.m. on Saturday in Montreal and Toronto. It also rebroadcasts here in Ottawa on ele- at eleven a.m. on Saturday, and then three p.m. Mountain Time in Edmonton. So five p.m. here but on Saturdays as well. On Saturday, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So She's Got Game, uh, the Mouchoir Podcast. Now that the CFL season is back up and running, the uh, Mouchoir Podcast has returned. We're a few episodes in now at this point. I don't know how you're still on your feet with uh, everything you got going on. And even just over here as we're, we're chasing down guests over the, the last little bit and, and putting together these episodes and, you know, trying to keep the topics interesting, keep, you know, new people coming on as often as we can. It's really been a very long time since we've taken a break. And, and even around Christmas and, and stuff like that, we really don't stop much. Uh, Rob and I like to do a Christmas Eve show based on the World Juniors, and, and we've done that since our first year. Um, and you know, we have a nice kind of new year's day tradition going on. I think you were on for, for that one this year, as we talked Mm -hmm. about, uh, some of the, the the winter classics that weren't going to be new year's day. Um, I think it was, what was it? Lake Tahoe. I think we talked about on new year's day, they had announced. Um, so really as I was looking back at it, I haven't taken any time away from the show since July of 2019. Um, we've run steady at least two shows per week ever since, and, uh, I'm tired and uh, I'm sitting here right now looking at the lake going, you know, just one week to not edit, not worry about the social sharing around, not worry about guests and whatever else. Um, I could get into that. So we're going to do that next week. Um, and I will say, because I'm not a heartless bastard, Michaela, I, I do like to take care of the listeners when we can. We have a guest. That show's done. I recorded it last weekend. It is edited. It is uh, already preloaded. I don't have to do anything. The software's just going to drop it for the good listener. Next Tuesday morning is when I've decided that's going to happen as kind of a bridge. It is the voice of the Ottawa Senators, Dean Brown, is uh, nice. going to be on the podcast. He was fantastic, Michaela. I got to tell you. Um, I'm not surprised at all. No, I'm sure you've chatted with him many times. This was the first time I've sat down with him. And uh, we had quite the conversation both on the show and after uh, after we shut off the microphones. He hung around for a bit, was good enough to to shoot the shit and, and just talk about the industry and some things that we both thought were interesting. So uh, Dean Brown will be on the podcast on Tuesday. And I think most hockey fans know Dean. It's not just Senators fans. He was for years... Uh, part of CBC and, and Hockey Night in Canada's playoff broadcast. And that was always a pleasant surprise for me. And I said this to him on the show, like, this is uncomfortable for me, Dean. Like, I I hate mm-hmm. the Senators, but you're one of my favorite broadcasters, right? So if I want to see you... And your- you won't find someone, between him and Gord Wilson, you won't find many people who know more about the Ottawa Senators than that. I'm sure right? that's so, true. Yeah, no, like, exactly. Not only does he cut, does he you know do the, the play-by-play, but he's done the play-by-play since day one. Yeah. And the amount of Sens knowledge that he has is insane. Same with his partner, Gord Wilson. Like, they just, they have so much... Not just for, from the current team and the you know breaking down of plays, but 
previous teams and the history of this team. Like I, I'm very much looking forward to that episode because Dean knows a lot about the Sens, and for a, for a Leafs fan, you really chose a Honestly. great partner. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's just a great guy. He's a really nice guy, and I I love working with him at TSN 1200. And I'm that's that's a really great get. Yeah, and uh, he was great. Uh, you know, we reached out, and he said right away. You know, yeah, let's do that, and kicked it around. I have a to ask. Or maybe you won't tell me. Maybe it's a, a surprise on Tuesday. What was he drinking? He did not partake. Oh, okay. I was. I felt like maybe he'd be drinking red wine. I feel like he'd be. He drinking is a, a wine red. guy. That's correct. Yeah. So a yeah. little bit of a spoiler there. No problem though, because we do get into that. And he said he's not really uh, a craft beer guy. Uh, he doesn't mind now and then having a pint, but uh, more of a, a wine guy, which was kind of fun on the heels of Ray Ferraro, who said the same thing just a few weeks ago on the podcast. So. Uh, we kicked that and a gin guy gin and tonic he likes okay. and uh, so i'm not going to give that away he recommended a very good canadian gin uh that people will have to tune into so we're going to drop that next tuesday and really it's already preloaded to drop i'm not opening anything i won't be looking at the show <laughs> i won't be i hope you all enjoy it i've heard it but i just think um it's not a bad week to disappear we're kind of on the heels of most of the big hockey news is done the NBA's news is done. The Olympics are done. Um, the Jays are, are on a bit of a run, and we'll do that. But also, as of next, you know, this week, the Red Blacks, and we're going to talk some CFL here. The Red Blacks haven't pl- or won't have played. Right, they're on a bye week in, in week two, so we don't have to look back at that. And you know, in two weeks from now, we'll be getting ready for uh, the Paralympics, and our pal Amy, who you referenced off the top, is competing there. So. We'll have a chance to kind of tee that up and, and talk about that. But it just seemed like an easy week to uh, to disappear. And so uh, we'll take a little bit of a break next week. I, I'm sure you could use one less thing on your plate. Um, <laughs> and, and for me, yeah, I'm just going to sit here and uh, stare at the water and not open my MacBook at all. That sounds perfect. And uh, just a little spoiler for She's Got Game. We will have Amy Burke on the show this week mm. as well. So you can find Fantastic. that, uh, like we said. At the times we mentioned, 6 p.m. on uh, TSN 1200 on Friday evening. And then, of course, you can always find it on uh, your local TSN radio website. Uh, shout out to Matt for hooking that interview up. She was fantastic to talk to. Um, and, yeah, we're going to we're gonna have her on the show this week. That's awesome. Really pumped to hear you yeah. guys were able to work that out. All the cool kids are getting on board with, uh, with Amy Burke. So, uh, we, of course. We will talk about her uh, when we return in two weeks, talk a little bit more about... Uh, teeing up the uh, the Paralympic goalball tournament that she's going to be competing in and uh, yeah get into all things Paralympics a little bit then um, there is one thing I wanted to talk to you about there Shrides and I haven't hit screeds once yet I'm doing my best to to, oh, to move over and, and what I keep seeing it and I've been hard on CBC over the last little while in that they you know in the months leading up to the Olympic Games they have been advertising themselves as, you know, the official broadcaster of the Olympic and Paralympics. And I have found it at times tough to watch because not the the broadcasts themselves, but those particular ads, because over the years, as someone who has volunteered and and coached in the Paralympic system and, and, you know, I've seen how the Paralympics get, we just wrapped like two weeks maybe a little bit more than that, 17 days of, you know, 8 or 9 p.m. through 8 or 9 a.m. with the, a brief break for, uh, for local news, you know, wall-to-wall Olympic coverage. And I love that CBC does that. 
but they work very hard to paint themselves as carrying the Paralympic Games in the same way, and they just don't. Um, the The broadcasts historically have been very, very short, kind of in prime time. It's like a half hour, maybe it's an hour of a recap show, and that is more than some countries and some broadcasters offer up. But I don't really love this framing that they have done over the years of you know being the Paralympic broadcaster. And it's a glorified webcast that you know went up on their website, and sometimes they'll offer it at 11 p.m. and on TV. And you know we don't want to preempt reruns of Coronation Street or whatever might be going on. Um, and God love Corey. I'm not. I'm not ripping you, man. You, you want to talk about defensive people on Twitter? People who love Coronation Street. If you slander it at all, they will come at you hard. There's yeah, some... you're talking to one, my friend. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't even get me started. How dare you? I didn't even know that. Okay. Um, Listen, I grew up in a Scott. I, I can explain my love of coordination later. Go on. <laughs> okay. Well, all I was going to say is, you know, they, they have been hesitant to uh, fully get behind this thing that they are the rights holder for. And so they have been advertising in the lead up to the Paralympic Games that they will be on during prime time every night. And that's great. I hope they are. I hope that's what's going to happen. They're saying this is the first time. They'll be on during prime time. That isn't accurate. I'm not sure why they're advertising that. Both in 2004 and in 2008, I can remember specifically watching uh, prime time recap shows, basically, um, from 8 to 10 p.m. or 8 to 9 p.m., whatever it might have been, during those games. But the only thing they ever really show you, and this is where it gets hairy, but I've worked in the system long enough. I'm not going to shy away from this. They show you swimming, they show you wheelchair track, uh, or any kind of track, there are different, um, you know, disabilities that compete in track, and they show you wheelchair basketball, because those are the only things they think you will understand. As a viewer, Mm -hmm. it's complicated to explain a new sport, or why um, this disability has a different set of rules, or whatever, uh, throughout the game. So what you get in your two-hour primetime block from 8 to 10 p.m. And again, I, I don't really understand why they're saying this is the first time they're doing it. It's absolutely not the first time they're doing it. But you get maybe a full Canada versus whoever wheelchair basketball game. And on the way in and out of commercials, by the way, here's the 30 other sports that took place in kind of these like one-minute snippets. And I think I'll be okay, Michaela. I think... If they just, I understand, and I shouldn't be okay with it. I do think if you are going to be this gung-ho and offering this much coverage on the Olympics, you should be far closer to that with the Paralympics than just a two-hour daily broadcast. I think I'll be okay with it as long as that CBC Olympics app is still offering everything in its entirety. Because the Paralympics offer that up. They do broadcast every single sport live-streamed to the web, but you're not allowed to just go and get that. In your country, there is a rights holder, right? And CBC in the past has often decided it's not worth the cost of streaming that. We don't want to bring that in, even though it's already being provided by the the host country and, and the International Paralympic Committee. I will be fine with the fact that you have chosen, despite the disrespect that it offers, just a two-hour television broadcast as long as that app 
that website that you've been pushing so hard has everything that's being offered out of Tokyo on live stream available there so that people can go and watch whether their kid or their friend or their family member or whatever is playing table tennis or doing visually impaired judo or wheelchair rugby or whatever it is. You have the infrastructure. It's been provided to you. There is no excuse for that not to run at least online. I'm done ranting now. Uh, you are welcome to respond. <laughs> no, that is, you, that is a very, very accurate and fair point. And, and listen, we talk about this with a variety of sports that don't get the coverage they deserve. How do you expect sports to grow if you're not putting the resources of promotion and coverage behind them, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, if you're worried about having to explain a new sport to someone, hire someone who knows about that sport, get them as a commentator yep. and make them, make them sell the sport as the most interesting thing on the planet. Like they do hockey to us every sure. single year or really <laughs> any, you know, baseball, soccer, the big four. football, yeah. but the big four, like they sell those sports to us. We're not, they don't just put them on TV and, and leave them there without any commentary right. or flash or marketing. Like they are sold to us. So do the same with these. You're a public broadcaster. Mm -hmm. I don't, like the, the argument of, oh, no one watches is A, stupid, because of course they're not watching. They can't. Um, but B, it's, it's also stupid <laughs> because um, you shouldn't be motivated by just viewers when you're a public broadcaster. These are our tax dollars, yep. and they should be put towards covering the Paralympic Games, can Canadian athletes at the Paralympic Games, mm -hmm. to the same extent that they cover the Olympics. I, I've admittedly, I'm not as entrenched in the Paralympic world as I am, say, the women's sure. sports world, but it's the same argument, of course, right? It's it's you're not going to grow a sport if you don't give it coverage and resources, yeah. And you can't make the argument of no one watches because it's it's apples to oranges. You're comparing two things that have very different. Um, uh, dollar amounts put behind them. So yeah. of course they're going to make different amounts. But again, that argument is null when you're dealing with a public broadcaster. Yep. Like I, what what is CBC sacrificing coverage of? You're right, Coronation Street. Which <laughs> I think we should still be prioritized. But you know, like uh, I don't even know what CBC airs during no. the day. But or or, or overnight, overnight at midnight. Yeah. You know, like who's who was watching that before anyway. Right. The people will watch the Olympics overnight. We learned that and the Paralympics. Yes. That is something Canadians will tune into at weird hours of the day yep. because they want to watch their athletes and their friends and, and, and their, you know, people they know and, and watch elsewhere. And they're not going to be watching CBC at midnight otherwise. So why not? Like, I, I just don't get the reasoning. Yeah. Well, and I spoke to a friend of mine about this before I came on because I said I wanted to address it on the show. And, and she said, you know, you're about to, lash into the only broadcaster that's giving it any time fair. And I, and I said yeah like that that's fair it is um but it but, doesn't mean we shouldn't be critical of them right and I, I should say that uh one of the things that set this off for me and i don't want to make this entirely about you know this one athlete who's a part of our show but that is the reason right now that i am so tuned into it and on Monday morning, I woke up and I'm scrolling through Twitter and I'm reading one of her tweets that says, you know, on route to Tokyo or whatever, as she's taking off from Vancouver International. And on one side of it, on top of it, 
is Bruce Arthur. And I don't want to rip on Bruce because he's done a fantastic job covering the Olympics. And frankly, for whatever reason, they put him on the pandemic beat here at the Toronto Star for the last year and a half. <laughs> um, and there was another reporter, and I can't remember who, and it doesn't matter, underneath. They were sandwiched, you know, her tweet about going to Tokyo to compete was sandwiched by essentially the media coming home. Bruce Arthur's tweet was about being stuck on his plane at Pearson International. He wasn't complaining. He was just saying, you know, it sucks, a 12-hour flight. Now you're sitting on the... And I'm like, this stinks. Like, the media, the attention has all left as the Paralympians are rolling in. And that really, just that juxtaposition of her excitement and, and everything on her Twitter, or on her tweet, kind of sandwiched between these ones, and I put it out there on Twitter that the, the a large part of the media is talking like it's over. We're on to Beijing in February and we're on to Paris 2024 and you know that that Tokyo 2020 is over and it's not. And so um yeah, that bothered me. And it it has for a long time. Um and so the same friend that I was talking to about the fact that I was going to come on and kind of lash out at the one broadcaster that is covering it, the the position that I sort of had was, you know, that I've already lowered, I'll be, like I said, I'll be fine with your nightly primetime broadcast and then a bunch of web streams. To me, I've already lowered my standards a pile. I'm not asking yeah. you to give what you gave the Olympics. I'm just asking you to give us something, right? And um, and they can't even really do that. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Right. But uh, like, and, and you're right. You shouldn't be settling for it. Right. Like, I, th I think we have to demand more and it sucks for these athletes who, you know, put so much of their life and time into training for this one, two week moment that yep. happens every four years. Like it, it, it's ridiculous that they don't get the car, the same coverage. Like I've, I've, I've never understood it. Um, because again, like you only stand to gain from mm -hmm. putting it out there. Well, as right. you said, like, in August, what is it that the CBC is trying to show honestly. that might be, draw more ratings? I Coronation Street isn't even that good <laughs> right now. Take your word for it. It's going through a phase. <laughs> as we all do, right? As we all do. Um, why don't we talk about the CFL, speaking of TV ratings and, and how things have gone there. We are a week into the uh, Canadian Football League season. Um, and... TSN's numbers, I was shocked. I don't know about you. Over the course of week one from 2021, uh, their ratings were up 31% from week one in 2019. Now, there's a certain amount of absence makes the heart grow fonder, and we've all been waiting for this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, but also, almost every other sport, when it's come back, has not seen anywhere near this spike or growth when the NHL opened back up in the bubble ratings were down and you kind of go well it's hockey in August how much are you really going to get pumped but they were down a lot the NFL viewership was down the NBA when they got their bubble going was down you know we've sort of been looking NASCAR has been down we Formula One way up I should check out that Netflix series I'm told you uh, should. okay so there there is another exception there but they've done it their own way I wonder like what you think of of these numbers and the fact that they were up so high in comparison to, you know, other leagues that have seen them go down. What do you think the, the difference was? And, and I don't think 31% is sus, uh, sustainable, but do you think they'll stay above what we saw before? 
Yeah, like in in terms of looking at the comparison, you also have to look at the time of year, right? Like week one of the CFL typically takes place end of June, early July, right? You've also got the NHL draft, NHL free agency. um, I think the NBA draft usually falls in in and around that timeline in normal years. So there's a little bit more competition, at least for the hardcore fans. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I do think a big part of this is the absence makes the heart grow fonder. Like we have been starved of CFL football for a year and a half, almost two years. Yeah. And I said last week, like, you could put a bunch of three-year-olds on the field in Red Blacks <laughs> uniforms right now, and I would watch. Um, well, they did on offense, didn't they? <laughs> I was just going to make a joke about that, but I bit my tongue in case Chris Hoffley was listening. <laughs> Not untrue, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I, I think I think it's a combination of those two things, right? Time of year fact that we haven't seen it for a while and you know a lot of sports when they came back they came back a lot earlier in the pandemic right we had the bubble with the nhl last year and the nba same mm-hmm. thing and i don't think people were at a place where they wanted to be watching sports if i'm being honest like yeah. we were all still and, and and listen we're not out of it yet mm-hmm. um we're we're still in this pandemic but you know the mindset is a lot different now that the vaccines are rolling out i think that we've been deprived Prived of the CFL for so long, we were able to miss it. Whereas Ian Mendez talked about this, um, I think around this time last year in relation to sports, like a lot of people, you know, didn't have sports in their lives when everything shut down because of the pandemic. And they went, you know what? Like I can probably live without it. I've got yeah. other things to worry about. Got right used now. to I've not got, having it. Yeah. And, and, you know, you've got childcare to figure out and what's going on when your kid goes back to school, not that that's not still an issue. You've, yeah. you know, you're still working from home. You're still, you're still navigating that. We were all still in the navigation phase. I feel like we're seasoned veterans of this <laughs> pandemic at this point now. Pandemic vets. Pandemic vets. And we're just a little more, I, I think people are just more ready for, for the return of some sports. And, you know, I, this is just me speculating, I guess, but I, th- I think it's kind of a combination of those things. Do you expect, um, and again, 31% is a huge spike, and we'll talk about the specifics of week one here in a second. I don't think either one of us believes that they're going to run a 30% above average audience for the entire season. That would be incredible. But do you expect that it will remain higher than average over the course of the season, or is this one of those things that, thank God, it's back, and then it slowly kind of drifts back into the the numbers that we're used to? Because that was a huge opening weekend. That's a really good question. I don't know. I, you're right. Thirty-one percent is probably not sustainable. Yeah. Um. I I was gonna say, what is this? The WNBA because they seem they to are, increase it, by yeah, the numbers. No, true. That it was sustainable for them every year. Yes. Um. Uh, but that's a whole other discussion, but no, I think, you know, as we get into the fall, um, you know, there's going to be the NHL return, the NBA, the NFL, uh, millions of other baseball playoffs, millions of other things to take attention. And that's going to divide it a little bit, but I do think that whereas we would normally have a lull at some point in every season, whether it's the CFL, the NFL, Mm -hmm. MLB, NHL, we all, there's, there's the middle of the season where you're just like, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's a Winnipeg Edmonton game at 10 o'clock on a Friday. I don't care. But oh, any 10 o'clock the, game for you is that any. Yeah, Jesus, <laughs> this, we'll talk about that. But, sure. um, you know, this is a shortened season. So you've reduced that lull just by nature a yep. little bit. And I also think that, you know, where that lull would usually fall in August and September 
this is the you're in the honeymoon phase yep. of the season at this time of year so i think that's eliminated so i do think it'll i i think it'll be sustainable from the from an increased perspective not 31 percent, but i think it's it's fair to say you'll probably see um higher than normal viewership just by sheer again people are happy it's back and you know you've taken away some of the factors that tend to lead to to reduce viewership throughout the season yeah i think that's a really interesting point i hadn't considered i i do think the there's a chance that the excitement would stay higher um than usual and maybe even you know a bit of i better support this after the xfl talk that we've all been through mm-hmm. and and some things like that but i think you made a really interesting point there that by starting late and dropping it down to a 14 game season all these games mean a little bit more and you've yeah. sort of cut out the dog days. Um, like you said, maybe August is kind of a rough time because people go away on holidays and, you know, they're just out barbecuing instead of watching TV or, you know, soccer practices, whatever might be going on. And maybe you put a little bit of increased value on it since it's week two instead of week six or, or whatever it might be. So I think that's an interesting point that maybe by getting it down to 14 games here, and I'm not necessarily suggesting they need to permanently move to that, but you do kind of get to a point where these games matter more, right? Like you, if you go 0-2, you're, you're going to be behind the eight ball hard here right off the bat. So um, these games get much bigger, much faster. So I think that's interesting. Why don't we talk about the specifics here a little bit, just in terms of the broadcast. Uh, on Thursday night, it was um, Hamilton versus Winnipeg. Uh, they were up in, I think, the 700,000s. It was a rematch of the uh, Grey Cup from 2019. And Winnipeg always brings a strong presence. Uh, Friday, you end up with Saskatchewan and BC, which Saskatchewan always, always has a high viewership there in the 700s. Saturday was a concern. Argos and Stampeders. Um, now, I guess we could say, not because it was down at like 329,000 or something like that, and that's an awful number. Uh, the Blue Jays did a huge number on Saturday. They were playing a doubleheader with Boston, um, and it was a big doubleheader for the Blue Jays in terms of trying to keep it close and and, and kind of make a move um, in the wild card race. So on Thursday and Friday, the CFL held their own and actually beat the Blue Jays both times, and on Saturday, the Blue Jays absolutely destroyed both CFL games. I think it was 329,000... Uh, for the first game, Argos and Calgary. And then 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, um, Michaela, I credit to you if you were still around. Uh, maybe you were one of the viewers they lost, but they were at like 379,000 for Edmonton and Ottawa. Um, anything to be read into those numbers? We should also keep in mind that the Olympics were wrapping up. Um, but those Saturday numbers, it is incredible to me that they finished the week up 31% with those two Saturday numbers dragging them down hard. Yeah, I, I absolutely was watching, but I was also divided attention because the women's basketball gold medal game yeah, was on yeah. the exact same time. So it was a two-screen night for me. Shout out uh, Team go. USA winning their <laughs> seventh gold. Um, uh, this, is, this is the thing. Like, you know, you read those numbers, and I think I could name you – a ton of women's hockey events, women's basketball events, or women's soccer events that had way higher viewership yep. with a fraction of the coverage. Yep. And yet we don't. And I'm not criticizing the CFL. I think the CFL deserves the coverage it gets. 
But why do we keep justifying not covering women's sports when we see these numbers out of leagues that get this coverage? It just blows my mind. But that's sure. that's besides the point. <laughs> beside the point. Um, I mean, it, it does speak to the fact that, listen, Hamilton and Winnipeg, those are two of the biggest fan bases um, in the league. Same with Saskatchewan, less so BC, but Saskatchewan, like you said, you're basically going to get the entire... The province is watching. Po- yeah, the entire population <laughs> of the province watching. Uh, Toronto and Calgary. I, I don't know. I've never really looked into what Calgary's fan base is like. I mean, I've been to Calgary a number of times. It doesn't seem to be the, it's not the only show in town. Right. Um, we know where the Toronto's, the Toronto yeah. Argonauts sit in, in the, you know, it's rough. Yeah. And then with, with, with Ottawa, Edmonton, I mean, Edmonton's a smaller city. It was a late game for those in Ottawa. So really only your hardcore fans are probably staying up to watch the whole thing. Myself included. There you go. Um, so I, th- I, I, I don't read too much into those numbers just thinking like, you know, I don't know what your average Toronto Argonauts game gets. Yeah. I don't like it. It was obviously an average of 31% increase, not 31% increase per game. Right. So I, th- I think like anytime you have a Toronto sports team playing at the same time as the Toronto Blue Jays. Yep. Like, be- what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is it. Like. That's, there's a scheduling issue there too. Like, there's four games, guys. You yep. can move things around. Yep. <laughs> no, it's true. And and the Jays are. There's a chance here if the Jays stay hot. Um, and as we sit here and record on Wednesday, people won't hear this till after the Wednesday night game. But the Jays have just split um, another doubleheader with the Angels to keep pace and actually picked up a half a game on the wild card. We've seen this in 2015 and 2016. If the Jays get hot the nation watches and they crush everything in their path. So, mm-hmm. um, but it is concerning that with this much of an increase across the CFL in terms of interest and in how excited people were Toronto, even on a per capita basis, right? Like it, it was that bad. Like even if the same percentage of Toronto watched that would have been across all these other fan bases, that would have been a much bigger number. And they just didn't like that is, to me, it is concerning that the Argos maybe somehow, you know, last we saw, we're already in trouble. They may be slipping further and further, and that would be concerning to me. Yeah, especially at this point in the season. Like, yes. this is game one. Yeah, you know? and like I said, all those points that we just made about everybody excited to have it back, if that's them redlining, oh no, right? Like... Also, my husband is definitely going to be listening to this and losing his damn mind. Um, the one and O Toronto massive... Argonauts, we should point out. Yes, yeah, he's a massive Toronto Argonauts fan. I and like even, this guy. <laughs> even just the the slightest inclination that the Argos should leave the league, or the Argos don't get the mm. ratings, or the Argos don't have a good fan base, is it's a triggering uh, <laughs> sentence for him. And he's, I can, I can, I'm speaking to him right he's now, pounding he's on a steering wheel, driving around. He's, yeah, he's the... yelling at the radio okay. right now. Hi, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Josh. Hi, uh, yeah. Sweetums. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, I grew up in the GTA, and I was an Argo fan for a long time, and it, it stunk going down to the Dome, and you sat so far from the field, and it wasn't oh. a good... Now, I went to a couple of Eastern Conference uh, or East Division finals when it was sold out, and, the, the you know, you could get a vibe into the Dome for it, and but it just never caught on, and I was one of those people who said, they got to get out of here. Once they get to BMO, they'll be okay, and it just hasn't played out that way. It hasn't mattered at all, but I really thought that the change of venue and being outdoors in a stadium like that down at the lake, I really thought it would help, and it 
it just hasn't. It hasn't made a difference. So I'm not saying the Argos are going anywhere, that the Argos are leaving or anything like that. Uh, I just, I would be concerned with that number. Uh, you know, the rest of the league did some heavy lifting to get to 31% over average with the Argos that low. Um, so. And this poor team, like they have won two Grey yeah. Cups in the last, what, 10 years alone. Yep. And yet you've got, and I, I'm not piling on, but you've got a hockey team who has not won a playoff series in 17 it's a, years. It's been, it's been a while. And yet, you know, one of these things is the not like the this. other. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's worth mentioning, though. Like yes. I, I say that yeah. as, as sympathy towards the Argos fans and yep. the Argos in general. It's just like they deserve attention. And yet the Leafs, they couldn't shake these fans if they tried, and they are trying. <laughs> They've given it their best effort to get rid of us. <laughs> um, what stood out to you most in week one? Uh, that was an interesting win that uh, that McLeod Bethel-Thompson ends up getting the start there, and, and they beat Calgary. Uh, Nathan Rourke, you know, rocky start as a Canadian quarterback for BC. Everyone expected to see Mike Riley. Um, and last second, off he goes, and, and he put a charge into it, you know, gave it a, a good shot, but ended up coming up short. Um, the Red Blacks' defense defeated Edmonton because the offense, what was it? I think it was 12 passes for 91 yards, 79 yards, something horrendous like that. Uh, yeah, Matt Nichols had 71 yards on the game. Yeah, yeah that wasn't great. Uh, what stood out to you from week one? Um, I mean, the, the BC Saskatchewan game was really interesting because it was kind of like a tale of two halves, mm -hmm. right? Like Saskatchewan was up 32 to nothing in the first half, I believe. And Just then BC cool. comes back and outscores them yep. 32 to one. And I can't remember, but it was high. Um, <laughs> and, and BC comes back and out, outscores them like 27 to I think one or two, like it was complete opposite halves. Yeah. BC made a great comeback. I, my heart broke for Nathan work when he steps out there. He's a Victoria BC native. So you have to assume that this has been his team. Mm -hmm. If he's been watching the CFL since he was a kid and the first pass he throws is a pick. Six. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, you poor sweet gem of a human. Um, well, I, it reminds you almost of Johnny Mansell, except this guy was more likable, right? When, yes. when Mansell gets his first start in Montreal and he threw four picks in the first half and I'm not necessarily taking joy in seeing that happen to Johnny, but I am watching going, holy shit, like this, this much attention for this guy, <laughs> like poor exactly. Nathan Rourke, as you say, one pass, one pick, you're like, oh my God, come on, And buddy. I know nothing about Nathan Rourke as a human, and I already oh. like him more than Johnny Mansell. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Uh, the McLeod Bethel Thompson move. I mean, it was interesting, but when you really think about it, like he, he's a great quarterback. Yep. He was, I think third overall in passing yards last year, number one in touchdown throws, um, last year on a team that did not make the playoffs and was horrible. Yes. Um, and I think he, he got MOP votes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and he deserves that start 100%. I know they brought in Nick Arbuckle, mm -hmm. but Nick Arbuckle, and we talked about this a lot, like he has, he's, he's got a handful of games as a starter. Yeah. Meanwhile, you don't want to, you know, send a message to your starter right now that, hey, we've got this shiny new thing. <laughs> so we're going to put him out instead of you. Like he, he earned that start and he did a great job and what a back and forth game that was. Um, I think everyone loves watching 
Bo Levi Mitchell lose if they're not a Calgary yep. Sam Peters fan. Um, he's just still you know. got like an 800 winning percentage in the league. Oh the guy God. is insane. <laughs> yeah, what did he say? Something like, you know, I've only lost 16 or 17 yes. games in this league, and we're all like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Good for you. The guy's crazy good. <laughs> but you're right. You like to watch the Stampeders lose. They've kind of been the big bad wolf for a while. Yeah. And and yeah, the the Red Blocks game was just listen, if you if you take away the Red Blocks offense and you just look at their defense and their special teams, those are two facets of their game that are playoff worthy. Yep. You you pluck those aspects of the Red Blacks out and place them on any other team with like serviceable offense or p- just capable offense. Yeah. And that is a playoff team. Yep. And and it, it was week one. We talked about the fact that the first few weeks of the CFL season are going to be sloppy. Yep. There was no preseason. These guys <laughs> haven't played for a long time. That was that was exactly what we got from the offense. Incredibly sloppy football. With all due respect to, to Matt Nichols, he had a terrible game, but he also didn't get any coverage from no. his own line. He was sacked five times. Well, I was going to say, as much as we talk about the Ottawa defense, the front line there on Edmonton's defense was just pounding through our offensive line. Like it was nothing. Like, as you said, they got to him, I think, yeah, five times. And there was a bunch more where he just got rid of it. Like they were puncturing through like it was nothing. Yeah, exactly. And, and geez, that old line's got to be better because I don't care how good of a quarterback you are. You get sacked five times, pretty hard to lose. It's pretty hard to win. Sorry. (laughs) Um, And then you've got, you know, we we know that Matt Nichols has a history of with injuries and and he was injured. He was not a hundred percent. His shoulder was acting up last week and he was at one point on the injured list. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we watched some of the throws that he was making and it was clear that he wasn't at a hundred percent. Right. And then you have to like we with Matt Nichols also comes a little bit of instability sometimes and just historically he hasn't always reacted well to adversity i know he's working on that and they've certainly sold that idea to us but you know being sacked five times <laughs> that's adversity right? and i would not and react well to it either stop no, hitting me somebody you're, stop you're most guys. like zen you know meditative <laughs> cfl player would football player in general would not react well to being sacked five times. Picturing somebody sitting out there in this perfect yoga pose on their mat in the middle of a yard and some monster just running over you in the middle of the yard. I'm trying to relax here. Let me meditate. Yes. Yeah, so I, you know, hoping for the for better from the offense will obviously will give it to them because Did you they see won enough the- to expect better? I'm with you. I'm hoping for better. They're going to go back to the drawing board here with a bye week in week two, but the offense was always the question mark, and they showed in week one that it should have been. It is only one game, so we don't know. Do you think there's a chance that it's going to get better, or did you watch that game going, oh, no, like this is this is what they might be? <sighs> There was nothing in that game to make me believe that. There was the one play from Ryan Davis, which mm-hmm. I believe was a, a punt return, yeah. where they tried to do the trick play. Where Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Deadman passed it over to him, and they ran in for a touchdown, but it was called back because it was a forward pass. Like That was promising. That was literally the only promising thing I saw from offense, and that was special teams. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it wasn't Did you even see the offense. Elks tweet at that point? The Edmonton Elks no. social media tweet points out, oh, Ottawa, you tricky. And then underneath, illegal, but tricky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah, for um, sure. 
no, I, I didn't see anything really to, to other than the fact that, you know, Ryan Davis is a receiver and maybe he could do that as a receiver, mm-hmm. not just as a punt returner. But um, I, I the only thing that makes me hopeful is just the fact that this was week one yep. and, and we knew that it was going to be sloppy coming yep. into it. So I don't want to, I don't want to get ahead of myself and, and, you know, burn the house down no. because this offense sucks, but you know, they've, I'm giving them chances to be better, whether or not they actually prove that to me is a different story. Yeah, I think I think that's fair, right? And and we go into this. I I like the schedule in the sense that, uh, like, I wouldn't have liked being Montreal sitting around last weekend, everybody else playing and getting up and running, finding out what's going on, and your the team kind of left out, not doing anything. I don't mind being Ottawa, where you went and played, and especially this is boosted by the fact that you somehow got a win, and now you get to come home and go. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. And there are a lot of things on the this didn't work list that you're going to have to go over in week two. But you got to win under your belt. You get to come home. And now with that offense, you know, take a look and see what was rust. Because as you said, let's be fair. They've all been off for almost two years. And, you know, we didn't have any uh, exhibition games. So I I, I don't mind this kind of schedule where you got to go get one under your belt and then come home and see, okay, what do we think's real? Like, what are our real problems? And what was just rust? And, and we expect that and that and that will get better as we go. So I don't mind that in terms of a scheduling component for Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's uh, when I initially saw the schedule, I didn't love the no. bye week in week two. But now I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll take it. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Uh, why don't I, I want to ask you just briefly here, and, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but you're more a, a follower of the NFL than I am. And we've seen... Um, it was just a tweet that I sent over to you that illustrated that over the uh, 2020 season, for the first time in NFL history, the road teams had a better record than the home teams. And it was very, very close. I think it was 128 to 127 um, that road teams uh, beat home teams this season. And uh, they're obviously chalking it up, and, and fair enough, to the fact that a ton of state like it was a weird year at the very beginning some stadiums a lot of stadiums were totally empty some had very few fans in them even at the super bowl i think in tampa um i don't remember what the percentage was but you saw a bunch of those cardboard cutouts mixed in between the uh the actual fans um you probably followed it more closely as it was happening um than i did was that something you noticed at the time like man like the home field advantage doesn't really seem to matter as much. And do you think this is something that maybe we would have seen anyway? I'm I'm sort of of the mind in all of these sports that as we continue to move forward, home field advantage seems to mean less and less just based on, um, you know, the universality. That's not at all the word I was looking for. No, I love that word. Trade universality. That word. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, it's a thing. Um, you know, that, that these stadiums are all the same. These arenas are all the same. It's all kind of been just cleaned up and it's all to one league standard. Um, you can't get that close to the athletes anymore. Do you read much into it? Is it just the pandemic thing? Is it just a weird one-year anomaly? What did you make of the fact that for the first time in NFL history, road teams had the winning record? I mean, yeah, the the whole home field, home ice advantage has really been 
being debunked in recent years. Like the the records in general are marginal at best um, in terms of wins versus losses for home teams versus away teams. Um, and I and I think when you look at this, when it's one twenty seven to one twenty eight or one twenty eight to one twenty seven. Like that's flip a coin. Yeah, honestly. When it's that close, yeah. right? Like yeah. and and there were a lot of a lot of stadiums that didn't have fans and there were a lot of stadiums that did have fans. So it was a little bit of a mishmash where like some teams you could argue did have home field advantage, but I don't think it was consistent enough to make a difference. And and I've always thought that like it's never really noticeable because again, the the records are often like if if a team is really good at home. Mm-hmm. Or really good on the road, it's notable. But when, like, outside of those anomalies, the home and away records tend to be rather similar. Sure. It, like it, again, the the difference is, three, is often like, marginal. Yeah, 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 yeah. like, <laughs> exactly. So I've I've often thought that home home field advantage is a little overrated to begin with, and and there is a, a case to be made where when you're home, you know, there's other distractions. Whereas yeah. when you're on the road, it's just you and your team. And and you don't have anything to do but go to the hotel, and go home. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know that that was uh, at least I think with the NFL, I actually can't remember what their restrictions were. They probably were none. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the NHL, it was it was really strict on the road, right? You yep. went to the hotel, you went to the rink, you went to the airport. That was it. Mm-hmm. And so you were hyper focused because what else were you gonna do? Yes, no, exactly. Um, so if that was even remotely the case in the NFL, I think that might also explain it a little bit. But again, it's these differences in, in home and, and away tend to be so small, uh, again, unless they're outliers. Yeah, I, I think that's fair when you talk about something like the NFL or, or even the CFL, and we're going to find out here as we go. Um, although Toronto and Ottawa both won uh, on the road, so not a bad start for the road teams there in the CFL. The Blue Jays have talked about being in Dunedin and Atlanta Braves fans, when they had to play them in interleague, filled their stadium, right? Uh, Boston and New York both have their AAA teams near Dunedin, and they were filling up your your park. And then when you got to Buffalo, obviously New York State, right? Full of Yankee fans. And for some reason, when the Red Sox were in Buffalo, you were getting filled with Red Sox fans. And the Jays have talked about how much it mattered to them to get home, just to be in front of their fans. And it has been noticeable on the broadcast at the Dome from that first homestand how loud and how pro-Blue Jay that fan base was. But you almost wonder, or at least I do, if you're almost retelling the story, right? Like they went 9-2 and two on that homestand and you're able to leave town going, man, the, the home fans were fantastic. If you'd gone... Uh, whatever two and nine instead would you have just been well you know we were crossing the board like it's almost refitting the story to fit whatever happens and yeah i i think that happens a lot right like maybe the blue jays bought the red Sox were leading the division for almost the entirety of the first half of the season and yeah it sucks that their fans are booing you in your own ballpark but you were probably going to lose to them anyway the way they were playing so you almost just wonder how much it refits the story. And, and that's over a 162 game season in baseball in an NFL season, which is so much shorter. And you make a great point that, you know, what is the real difference between 128 to 127? Well, it's a team that goes five and four at home or five, and three, whatever, right? Like it, it's much closer. It's much fewer games, but it was interesting to me just because in all these sports, 
despite the the fact that, uh, and I'm going to throw down another word, at least I know this one is real, that these arenas and stadiums get more homogenized, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're all very similar. Um, I think athletes have just overwhelmingly become more comfortable playing anywhere, and it's just whatever. Here's another NFL locker room and another NFL field, and yeah, there's some drunk asshole on the second deck screaming at me, but he was going to do that at home too, probably. So, you know, I, 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 I didn't know what to read into it. I, it is interesting, and we'll see if it ever happens again. But you're right that those numbers, those home versus road splits, have been getting closer and closer as we've moved anyway. But uh, the yeah. pandemic apparently finally put the road teams over the top. Yeah, yeah, and, and you're right. Like, these stories are going to be switched around to fit the narrative mm-hmm. right if, if the jays had a terrible run when they got home it would be well it's an adjustment and yes. they just came back and, and you know look at the raptors season now they were they were playing away from home for the entire season and i do think that there's a case to be made that like when you're when you feel like you're literally on the road for an entire season maybe your family's back home yes. and you don't have them with you like that's that's different but no matter what, we'd kind of explain it away, like we always, sure. it, like we do anyway, right? When teams have a bad home record, it's like, well, they've got their distractions, and I hate to use family as a distraction because it's your family, Damn, and they're not distractions. Yeah. Um, but you know, you've got your responsibilities at home, and, and maybe that you know, the, I'm not, I'm not saying that's an excuse, but you know, the media might make that an excuse. And then if they have a bad road record, it's like, well, they're away from home, <laughs> so which <Yeah>. is it? <laughs> How do we want to make this fit? You'll always find exactly. the story and. And when we had Mike Wilner on there a week or so ago, I asked him, and he said he'd given the same thing some thought, that we're pumped the Jays are back, and the Toronto Blue Jays are back home, but most of the players that are older and have families or wives and kids, they didn't come. It was better for them to be in the U.S. where, for better or worse, movement is more you know, less restricted and they can have their families around. We didn't just let everybody cross the border. The Blue Jays, um, about half of the roster had never played a game in Toronto before as a member of the Blue Jays. So they didn't have homes and or condos or whatever. They came up and played in a hotel. And did you really feel that much at home? Like, yeah, technically it's a home game. And as fans, we're glad they're back home. But they may have been happier, honestly, in Buffalo. None of them will say it, but some of them might have been, right? Like, yeah, a lot, a lot of Blue Jays players aren't aren't from Toronto. No, yeah, like no, at exactly. all, right? So right. It's Jordan Romano, uh, and that's about it. I think. So. Yeah, yeah. So it, it often, yeah, you're right. It, it kind of works out better. Say, you know, and 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 same with um, a lot of Raptors players. Yeah. Like, you know, Kyle Lowry's from Philly, and I think he lived in Philly, like in the off season. Yeah. I don't think he was in Toronto in the off season. So, you know, what is home? Right. right, like what is home to a lot of these players is. But at is least you could easily get an apartment or a condo and bring your family up pre-pandemic. Now, like yeah. Ross Stripling, flat out said after his last start in Buffalo, where he got rocked. He goes, "It's not an excuse. It's not fair. I, I needed to be better." But I had spent the morning worrying about the fact that when I leave tonight, leaving Buffalo, I'm going to. I think they played in Boston and then came to Toronto. He goes, "I I don't know when I'm seeing my wife and kids again." Like, Aww. well, that's yeah, not. That is a yeah, factor. that's not home, right? That's yeah. yeah so. Um, why don't I ask you a little bit about, uh, today, Michaela is making its way around Twitter, the trailer for the, uh, Amazon prime series on the Toronto Maple Leafs called all or nothing. I don't, (laughs) I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Turns out to be nothing, (laughs) a lot of nothing, not much all. Um, 
But this is something we'd heard about for a while. I think we talked about it last fall when they announced that they were going to do it. Uh, it was an interesting trailer. I, I think it's five parts. So I believe the first four are sort of training camp and the ups and downs of the season. And then um, the fifth would be the playoffs and the aftermath. And it didn't go that good as we all know so i guess that's really a matter of perspective you may have thought it went fine (laughs) yeah exactly so um is this sort of thing we'll get to the leaves thing because i imagine living with josh you're gonna you're gonna be watching this thing anyway if you didn't live with a leaf fan do these things hold any interest to you um i mean i kind of want to hate watch it yeah, and and la- like I'm not even hate watching it. it. It's going to be enjoy- enjoyable for me because I know how it ends. But like, <laughs> you knew that they were doing this. Like and the, the movie minute- Titanic. Well, yes, yeah. I think I, jo- Joe s- Bogner sent out a tweet that was just hilarious. It, like one of those like lob ball jokes that needed to be said. Right? It it had I to suppose. be said. Um, something about like, you know, yeah, they made a documentary about the losing leaves, but they also made a movie about Titanic and that's the biggest movie of all time at the time. Yeah. So we all know it's going to sink. We all want to see it. I mean, here's the thing. We we knew when they were making this movie, like, you know, or documentary, you're rolling the dice that things are going to go well for you. You're hoping that this, you know, ends in. At best, you got a one in 31 shot of winning. So yeah, Yeah. the, the almost overwhelming odds were that this ends in sadness and so my question again, is why wouldn't me. you hold on to it do it again and and just hope to god it that until they win just keep doing it until they win or or make oh my it god like, michaela i don't know this is make it some the life what's of the story fan. i'm just what's the story stay they, here until they win yes they did they sucked before they they've sucked for a while and they still they suck let again. their fans down like is that really like if honestly if i'm a Leafs fan i don't know that i want to watch this this is this seems horribly depressing i assume ah, i was i'd be wrong there'll be more people hate watching it than joy watching it like oh yeah or like do i watch the first four episodes and then skip the fifth like yeah we won the north division title and uh i'll be curious to see do you think the leafs are gonna hang a north division banner oh my god i hope they don't I hope they don't also. Like, they've talked about this a lot on the Steve Dangle podcast. They didn't come out of the North. They're not the North championship champions. Okay, like, I know that's a by technical thing. definition yeah. they are, but, like, do you this really This is the only time we've bad? ever done... Pl- no, I don't, but this is the <laughs> only time we've ever done this style of fully locked down playoffs, right? Whoever wins the division in the regular season gets a banner and they hang it up and this would be the most humiliating banner ever. <laughs> oh, actually we hung a John Bon Jovi banner, which was much more humiliating, but uh, you know, I, I used to really like these cause I think they started, it wasn't that during the first winter classic where the penguins played uh, the Sabres. I think it was the year after that HBO started doing those Road to the Winter Classic series. And I really liked them until we got to the 2014 Winter Classic Leafs and Red Wings at the Big House in Michigan, which I went down to with a couple of friends, and it was amazing. But once the Leafs were in it, Sportsnet was like, well, we don't want that on HBO. We want that. And so they picked it up and neutered the shit out of it because it's not HBO anymore. It's Sportsnet. And I'm not saying I can't enjoy a television show without swearing, but, like, 
half of Bruce Boudreaux became a star because of his the way he talked in in one of the early series in the Washington dressing room and that you just you can't run that type of show on Sportsnet. It just wasn't going to work. And so they kind of ruined them for me in that I wasn't seeing what I was supposed to be seeing. American viewers were still getting the HBO view and Sportsnet was having to go, oh no, we couldn't possibly show that on our television. Well, then don't buy the series, you assholes. You've ruined it for Canada. Um, That's a whole other tirade. Uh, But I used to really like these series and I don't know what Amazon is going to do with it. I don't know what their contract is like with the NHL. I, I don't know... You know, what kind of job they're going to do. But I think every Leaf fan, to be honest with you, Shrides, is going to swear up and down until it starts. I don't care. I don't even want to watch it. And then I'm obviously going to watch it. You're you're going to go behind the scenes. I want to see Austin Matthews buying suits. I want to see Joe Thornton getting contraband uh, barber shop treatments, right? Even though we weren't supposed to be going to barbers at the time. Um, you know, I, I, I want to watch it and I think it'll do well. I think there's going to be a lot of people that say, I'm not going to watch it who do watch it. And I think a lot of them will be non Lee fans who, who just can't wait to get to the climax, right? As the ship that's like Titanic, right? Where the ship breaks in half and it starts to sink, and the back half starts tipping up in the air, and the guy falls down and bounces off the post. And listen, as an eight-year-old in the theater, that was the funniest part. Of, of that course, movie. it was. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I know it's a real tragedy, and, and thousands of people it was died. Hysterical. But in that moment, my eight-year-old brain yes bursts out laughing in a Boom. very quiet theater. Yes. No, of course. <laughs> so that that eight-year-old mentality is yeah. how I'm going to be. That's going to be Mitch Marner bouncing, you know, lobbing three pucks over the glass in one game. Or yeah. Was f- oh, I'm yeah. just going to be cackling. <laughs> this might cause my the end of my marriage. Yeah. Who knows? Well, we say that fun. about a lot of leaf-related uh, topics. That's very true. <laughs> I thought that series was going to cause the end of my marriage. <laughs> Do you think Josh is going to watch? Have you talked about this? Does he need? We his actually space? haven't talked. Does about he need it. his space for you to go and watch it somewhere else? And <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think he's gonna watch just because he's he's gonna be the kind of fan who's like, listen, I know how this ends. I don't feel like suffering yeah. any more than I have to. Um, so maybe I'll watch it by myself. Who knows? Maybe I'll force him to watch it. But <laughs> either way, it's gonna be fun for me. <laughs> it's just cruel. Uh, last thing then, Michaela, we should talk about, and I held it to the end just because it's been an almost a week since it happened now, and you've talked about it on the radio. You've, I'm, I'm sure have been all over this thing. I mentioned it, um, on episode eight, well, I don't know, whatever the last one was, 865 when I rode solo penalty kicks Friday morning, Canada, Sweden, uh, 4.4 million people watch it on television at 8 o'clock in the morning. That's hardly prime time. And last I heard, that number did not include live streams. So uh, we don't have to break down the game because I'm sure you've done it a few times. I've done it a few times. But I need to get inside your head at that point. What do things look like in front of your television um, You know, throughout the game? Then when we get into extra time, penalty kicks, take me through Michaela's experience on Friday morning. I don't think anybody wants to be a part of my experience on Friday morning until the very end. It was stressful. I was on the air from 7 to 8 
I think I talked about it last week, the fact that I was going to be on the air right before it. Yeah. So I didn't really well, have last, time to... Last time we chatted, the game was still going to be at 10 p.m. on the night before. Oh, that's right. So you yeah, were going to so, have to stay up and watch it and then get up and host a morning show about it. I loved I loved that, that I they bet. moved it. This is perfect timing for me. Um, and yeah, I was basically just sitting in the fetal position on the couch for <laughs> two hours while, while I watched this game. When Sweden scored in the first half, I, I kind of like I'm one of those fans who the minute my team's down, I'm like, OK, this is over. Yeah. And I just assume that it's they're going to lose. Well, so especially that when don't, Sweden's favored. And oh, and they were dominating. Yes. Like Canada had a much better half than they did the, in the first half. I was like, there's no way they're winning this yep. game. Obviously, Jesse Fleming does what she does best uh, in the second half, gets a penalty kick, makes no mistake, puts it in the back of the net. And mm-hmm. then I, then I like the, the worst thing happened. I got hope again. And so then I was even more stressed because I'm like, fuck, now they might do this. Yes. And then the 30 minutes of extra time was just the worst 30 minutes of my <laughs> life. And the penalty kicks, oh my God. I, I, so I have two dogs and they were sitting on the couch watching this with me. And my one girl dog, she tends to like really pick up when you're you're stressed and she kind of gets anxious herself. And she came up and was sitting on the edge of the couch, like the arm of the couch, like a bird. Yeah. Because she did she was so okay? overwhelmed with stress. Yeah. I felt so bad. <laughs> like I was ruining Do her. Do I stare at this light box with you? <laughs> yeah. Like she has no idea no. what's happening and, and I'm screaming at the TV and <laughs> and I I I had to lit, like like meditate my way through this. I was like, don't freak out. Just focus on what's going on on the TV. Don't freak out. Like I was, I'm I'm not kidding when I say like this. This game took years off my life. I will die earlier because of this game. <laughs> and I aged several years during it. It was the most stressful two hours of my life. And then the minute, the minute that uh, Julia Grusso scored. I leapt up off the couch and just started sobbing. <laughs> like, like not, I'm not kidding when I say that I was, I was literally audibly sobbing. Wow. I have never done that for joy in my life. I'm not a happy, I didn't cry on a wedding day. Like I don't do this. I, as I tweeted it a lot last week, the, the Olympics for some reason makes me cry every single day. But I was just like, in that moment, I was like, oh my God, I am so happy for Christine St. Clair. That's right. all that was going through my head was like, what a great way. We we, we don't know what she's going to do next. Nope. Um, you know, this could have been her last Olympics. Um, and and to, to know that she's walking, she, she's a champion right now, right? Like she deserves this so much. Sure. And I was just so relieved. And after two hours of that stress, I think it all just like came out. And I was sobbing. If you want to watch my my slow descent into madness, go back to my tweets that day because they were of a, a trip. You were I'm very sure. active, yeah. Oh that. my god. Well, I was I was texting with my friend Vanessa. We have been screenshotting a lot of our texts and sharing them on Twitter as like a hey, want to watch sports with Mikhail and Vanessa because they're just ridiculous. Those were hilarious, like, actually. Yeah. Let me die. This is horrible. <laughs> and uh, so I was texting, like like basically texting with Vanessa and tweeting were the only things that distracted me from the stress of this game. So I was very active, and uh, yeah, it was it was top three sports moments of my life for sure. Um, well, you got to tell us what else is in that top three. Sochi 2012, 2014, like the that women's gold medal game. Incredible that game. Yeah, the overtime, the the. Uh, Poulin post and, oh, Poulin, yeah. oh like yeah with the empty net that, oh. oh my god 
everything about, oh, I, I, about I was I was working a job I was relatively new at like I was younger in my career and I had a, someone booked a meeting with me during the third period and I walked in and I was like I'm not gonna lie guys I am not paying attention d- during this meeting and I'm leaving early no one showed up to this meeting because they were all watching the game and I literally put my book down and I said meeting adjourned and left and I this year I was like I'm not making that mistake again I blocked off time in my calendar yes. my boss knew not to contact me I took note of any of every single person who sent me an email during that game i was not, not making the same anymore. mistake yeah. and then the number like I, in no particular order like the, yeah. you know sochi 2014 obviously this one and then i think um salt lake city 2002 when the oh, women won yeah. gold in hockey just because like it was they were so the underdogs they were not favored at all to no they've lost so like, i think eight in a row Coming into yeah, the Olympics, yeah, they do like the those US. series going into the yes. Olympics where they travel around Canada and the U.S. and play each other, and, and they lost all of them. Yeah, and that referee, um, that fucking referee. <laughs> <laughs> I have nightmares. I have nightmares about that referee. So does Haley Wickenheiser. No doubt. Um, you know they they lost in Nagano when when women's hockey was first introduced. Like this was the the revenge, and it was on American soil. Like everything about that was just perfect. Yeah. Um, that but they had those O2 three. game might be one of my top five sports memories too. Yeah. Like I was watching that with a guy, and just like we're just screaming at the television at this referee. It just seemed like he played the whole thing short. And I know I don't want to hear you people coming at me on Twitter that the story has been debunked. But Haley Wickenheiser on national television after the game hollering, we heard you've got our flag on the floor of your dressing room, and now I want to know if you want us to sign it. I have never been more, <laughs> yes, right? Like fist pump. I don't want to hear the stories that, well, maybe it was there, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was a show of respect, maybe that's who we have to be. I don't care. That Haley moment for me is Canadiana overload right like yeah. just incredible it doesn't matter if it happened she said it the story she said is it way moments. better if, yeah believing yeah. that it did happen yeah like i want that tattooed on my body it was one of my favorite <laughs> favorite interviews of all time um yeah this was this was definitely one of the best sports moments of my life and just to i don't know it was it was so so enjoyable to to be a part of and to watch and and like it broke my heart watching the the Swedes. Like they they yeah. panned to the Swedes who were just inconsolable, and I was sure. like, no, I don't want to see that. No, please put it back <laughs> to us and our our, our fun. Uh, exactly. I'll tell you because I I got one question I want to ask you about it, but I will tell you my experience with it. I look, this is the first full start to finish soccer game I've watched since London twenty twelve semifinals, um, and uh, you know it's a little weird at eight o'clock in the morning. To, you don't have that same kind of sports vibe that. Maybe you sometimes would, but I'm like, no, I want to see this. This is going to be really good. Uh, I knew, you know, that this could be a historic moment for Canada. But as it's going on, it started I'm like, oh my god, we're getting tuned up, right? Like in that first half, mm-hmm. even when it was scoreless, they owned the ball, and and there was some incredible defensive plays uh, by Canada to to take it away and and to keep going. Um, but I was sort of waiting for the dam to break is what it felt like like okay we've had a hell of a run but we as sports fans know how that usually ends right like usually cinderella only gets so far um and when sweden scored similar deal was like yeah all right like and i'm still gonna check this out i haven't given up on it but uh you know maybe they're the better team maybe they're the this is their day 
And the way that they started the second half, I was kind of like pulled back in, even though like I was still watching and everything, but you know, you're sort of starting to accept that maybe this isn't going to happen. But the way they came out to start that second half, I was like, all right, well, let's see, right? Like, let's see what happens. And of course it's Jesse Fleming because that's what Jesse Fleming has done through the entire tournament, uh, ties it up. And at that point I was locked into this thing. And I think I was tweeting actually with Josh on like, I started this thing like it, man, it'd be really cool if Canada could get this done. I, I want to see that. And it ended with, I will die if these <laughs> women do not win this game. And so, yeah, through extra time, um, but in penalty kicks, and, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but Sweden went first and I think hit the post on their first kick. Mm-hmm. And then Canada scored. And even I, as a soccer dullard, was like, oh my God, like we're in control now, right? Like knowing how often you score on kick, like to have them miss and us get one, we're going to friggin' do this thing. I didn't say friggin', but we're. <laughs> and I'm standing up and I'm staring at the TV, and then we missed. And missed, missed. I think they scored three in a row, and like, oh, like the the roller coaster ride of being that high after that first round, and then being down that low was like, oh, right. I forgot. I'm a Leaf fan. Like this is <laughs> this. I I don't get to have nice things, and to see them come back and do it for the the. The, the last two rounds, I think one was off the crossbar and one was a Labe stop. If I'm not mistaken, you'll tell me that. Uh, yeah. I'm standing there, and at, I think from maybe the third round, I was like, I'm standing up, but I have my hands on my head, and they're just kind of... And in the last two, I notice I'm squeezing my head obnoxiously <laughs> hard, like, you need to stop. You're going to hurt yourself. you've got yourself in the sleeper kind of situation and when that when when they scored to win it that is as excited as I've been about anything in sport for I don't want to say ever any you know someone could come back and do this or this or that I, I don't know but that goal when I had thought in round one they were gonna do it and then thought in rounds three and four they weren't, and then that they did come back and do at ten o'clock in the morning, and I'm yeah yelling in my condo. <laughs> Incredible, right? And yeah. and just one of those moments. And and I guess, you know, having kind of hit you with my experience there sitting in my condo living room watching this thing and I wonder if you feel like in non-pandemic times, I don't know what it would have looked like given the time of day. We've seen bars open earlier. We've seen, you know, would this have been something that you would have enjoyed more if you could have been with more people? Or are you one of those people that this is too big of a moment? I need everybody to shut up. I need to be by myself and just take this in. No, I'm 100% by myself in moments like this. I cannot watch big games where I care about that team with other people around. Like, 
case in point, the Friday game, the quarterfinals against Brazil, it was a 4 a.m. start. Two of my friends from Toronto came down the night before to stay with us for the long weekend. So they weren't up when I got up at 4 a.m. to watch this game. Yeah, no figure. And okay. they <laughs> got up around 6 when the game was in penalties. And they're coming up, and I'm supposed to be this nice host. And no, like, oh, do away. you guys want coffee? I'm, I'm like, okay, I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> Please give me a minute. I will be a better friend in five minutes. Yes. And I had to watch. Like I was, I was trying to divide my. T- it was awful, awful. So no, I, I don't like people around me unless it's someone like my friend Vanessa who would just spiral into Equally a mental neurotic. breakdown with right. me. Yeah, yes. unless we're on the same energy level, I can't do it. I cannot have other people around me, especially if they're not into sports and they're going to talk about other things. Like no, you need to leave. Do you think we've seen? Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of talk, and, and rightfully so since then, that, you know, if you support these athletes once every four years and you want to see more of them, you know, watch more of it, be more prepared to support a women's professional league or at least a women's professional team in Canada, whatever that might look like. Is this an event to you, because you've seen as many defeats and, and whatever as, as the rest of us in terms of, hey, this is incredible, everyone seems to love it, and within a week, no one's talking about it anymore. Does this one feel different to you in that we could get... Like this one, watching Twitter, watching and, and speaking to people who I know are, look, whatever, are similar to me in that you don't really give a shit about Twitter, this or Twitter, about soccer. This one feels different. This feels like Crosby in 2010. Right, this feels like Batista in 25th. This feels like one that people are going to remember. Is there a chance that this is a takeoff point for? I don't know what it looks like. Is this something we still remember in a year and we've turned it into something, or is this one of those things that within a couple of weeks we're sort of over it again? I mean, I hope it's the first one. Yeah, because the team basically dedicated all of their media availability yes. to calling out the fact that there is no um you know professional team or league in Canada and how ridiculous is that that we're yeah. Olympic gold medalists and we don't have a professional team in the NWSL and all of our <laughs> players have to play in the states yeah. or in Europe yeah right like that's ridiculous so I mean I, I it's hope actually we ridiculous look... that they managed to get it done with those conditions well exactly <laughs> like again I keep talking about look what women's sports do in spite of adversity and being held back and lack of funding and lack of resources and lack of et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Imagine what they could do with some of those things, right? Like we've seen the potential of women's sports in the face of adversity. Why not try and see it with some, some support. And I'm really glad that, that the players like made kind of a point of, uh, highlighting this and when they knew all eyes were on them yeah. and they could have just talked about what a great moment this was for their careers and their lives and all this stuff. And they did, and they have a right to do that. Of course. But, in, but they also talked about why, you know, in, in encouraging the growth of the game here in Canada and, and calling attention to the fact that we don't have these things. So I, uh, I think that was a great move by them. And that's unfortunately, those are the things that you need to see happen for change to take place. So I know there's a lot of organizations that are working really hard to get an NWSL team in Canada, in, in particular on social media. But um, yeah, we need to make it happen because it's ridiculous that we've missed most of Christine St. Clair's career. Yeah. Right. Like even by the time she came onto the stage in 2012, like she was halfway through her career at that point. Yep. 
and we miss most of it because of that. So, you know, and, and there's, it's because all these stories don't get told, right? Like Christine St. Clair and Megan Rapinoe were teammates in college and no one talks about that. That is so interesting. These rivals mm-hmm. on these two teams who fucking hate each other <laughs> on the international stage. And we don't talk about the fact that the faces of these two teams are friends and were, were teammates in college. Like those stories need to be told. And the more we, we tell them, hopefully the more the sport will continue to grow. Um, do you think, as I keep saying, last one for you, last mm-hmm. one, for, but on this subject, like I, I am genuinely interested. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that might be the staying power for this team was the characters. And you always need that a little bit, right? Like there, there's, you know, it's not just a, I don't know, a generic group of players running around in the same sort of, there were stories here. There was the Christine Sinclair story of what we wanted to do. There's the laughing and smiling maniacally lobe <laughs> in the, in the penalty kicks where I'm like, Oh my God, like I, there's, how would you not kick it wide? <laughs> like you're, you would be completely rattled by this woman just staring at you and laughing and jumping and coming out at you all the time. Uh, Jesse Fleming for me was the one who who just kept getting it handed to her for these kicks and never missing. Like, I I thought that was incredible. To me, maybe it's some of the stories and or or the characters that that may and and that's I I hope that doesn't sound dismissive. But these legendary teams, obviously, they're talented. They just won an Olympic gold medal. If you're gonna go down in history, you almost need the oh my God, I remember her, right? Like you need some specific stories and names and and characters that went along with this thing. But I guess the last thing I'll ask you here before we wind this one down, if you were to guess, will we see Christine Sinclair wear a Canadian jersey at another Olympic Games? Olympics is hard, but probably the World Cup. She really didn't seem too keen on retiring anytime soon and she did mention the fact that the world cup is only two years away so i i think we'd probably see her in in the world cup and you know that's provided she's healthy and and all that stuff and i mean geez the olympics are a year later mm-hmm. so i'm I, window though i've talked about it a lot that athletes take care of themselves so much better than they used to and that's why you see tom brady playing into his 40s Ugh. and sue bird dominating at 40 and you Don't know the, throw the tom athlete... brady in with these people tom brady is gross I'm sorry yes. <laughs> but he's still good no yes, he is. all right um, jason spezza jason spezza there we go um you know you see the, the late 30s are not the golden years necessarily anymore for an athlete um so i i, I it's hard to say she said that she wouldn't make any decisions based no. on joy or happiness so I think a joy or sadness, sorry. So I think that's a good thing because like I, I would, as much as you want to see her walk off into the sunset on top, I don't want to see her walk off into the sunset no. quite yet. So um, I'm hoping she sticks around, but uh, if she really seemed keen on sticking around for, for 2023 in the World Cup. So I here's hoping. So at least one more major tournament in, the, yeah. in a Canadian uniform. And then again, again, like Diana Taurasi said, see you in Paris. <laughs> there you go. So... Uh, we'll wind this one down there. Um, man, there was more meat on the bone here than I thought there might be today <laughs> after being dragged in off the dock. But uh, this is good. And, and like I said, we'll we'll take a little bit of a break next week. We'll give Shrides uh, one less thing to do. Um, 
be a few less things for uh, for me to do. We will on Tuesday morning as kind of a bridge between now and you know 10, 11 days from now when uh, when hopefully uh, Rob returns on Monday morning. This will be kind of the bridge. We will drop that Dean Brown episode. I think whether you're a Senators fan or not, and I certainly am not. Um, fantastic guy, really good interview, really interesting to talk to, and and just. You know, really insightful. I really enjoyed talking. So I think you guys are going to enjoy that one. We will put it out for you on Tuesday morning as sort of a halfway bridge. So don't look for the Monday morning show. Don't look for the Thursday morning show. We're going to give ourselves a little bit of a break here. Dean Brown will drop Tuesday morning. And uh, Shrides, you know, this wasn't terrible. I was happy I came in off the date, uh, off the dock for it. So Thank you for doing that. Now go enjoy the dock. It's funny. I said to Michaela before we started recording, I don't know how... I ended up framing this as somehow Michaela making me come in as opposed to me constantly bothering Michaela and everything else she's got going on. But it told a better story on social media to be able to, of course. So, um, yeah, hope you're, uh, you're able to, you know, at least for one extra night next week, put your feet up and, and relax a bit. I know things have been crazy for you and, and we'll be back in uh, in two weeks just in time for the Paralympic Games and, and we'll tee up uh, what Amy's got going on and um, give us one more rundown because Amy's going to be on She's Got Game on TSN Radio this weekend. Once more, where can people find it? They can find it on any TSN radio uh, station across the TSN radio network. More importantly, for the people in Ottawa who might listen to the show, TSN 1200. And uh, if they miss it at the various times that it's on um, each station, you can go to your local TSN radio station's website. It's always podcasted there. It's uh, awesome. Glad she's going to be on uh, on with you guys as well. She's got a hell of a personality and... Uh... <laughs> Amy's a lot of fun um, and, and happy that, uh, you know, she's about to, to do her thing at the highest level again. So we'll get into that in two weeks when we're back just before the Paralympics kick off. But uh, until then, for Michaela Schreider, my name is Matt Robinson. Uh, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Schreides, S-C-H-R-E-I-D-S. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio, and we will see you next time on... T- I hate when I do that, Michaela. <laughs> Our Twitter handle's Tolkien Audio. See you next time on Tolkien Audio. Whatever, I'm on vacation. See ya. Peace. Yeah, that's a great finish to the show. (laughs) Clearly, you need a vacation. (laughs) I'm done. Throwing the microphone down. That's that. Yes. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.